Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Tom Swearingen says that when he wrote his first poem to honor a friend who had died, he didn't consider himself a poet. But the people around him knew better, and Swearingen kept writing. Six years later, he published a collection that was named the 2020 Cowboy Poetry Book of the Year by the International Western Music Association. The group also named him Best Male Poet in 2019 and 2022. He even got Willamette Week's nod in its Best of Edition this year. We talked in August. I started by having him recite a poem from his book Reflection. It's called One to Ride the River With. That cowboy and a paint horse, a pretty darn good part. He's been there, seen it, done it, through times both good and hard. He's been at it for some time now, a good long stretch of years, rounding up calves and mamas and turning bulls to steers. He's worked in some big outfits, been boss on one or two, and taught a lot of other hands a bunch of what he knew. And man, have we learned plenty about punching and much more. Getting advice a wise man be best to not ignore. Taught us what it means to be a worthy friend and hand about love and work and honor and how to treat the land. He told us, don't just do a job, you give it all you got. You only go around one time. Life's worth your best shot. He's shown us the importance of keeping our word true, that if you make a promise, do what you say you'll do. And we've watched him facing hardship with determination. And no matter the outcome, show appreciation for those that stand beside you, come along a side, ride with you through the humps, and cheer you through the ride. One to ride the river with. That's his reputation, the kind you can depend on in that situation. I've had the good fortune of knowing good men, the kind you can look up to and hope to see again, not just for their achievements, although they're worth remark, but for how they live their lives, how they give a spark kindling those around them to glow and grow and give, make the world a better place and show us how to live. I ask you, Lord, for more friends like the one thought of now. Give me more just like them, Lord, and please, if you'll allow, a lot more years for my friend so he can show us more what it means to live with grace before the other shore. Did you have somebody in mind when you wrote that poem? Yeah, I did. I had I wrote that for a friend uh, named Trey Allen when he was um, suffering uh, for uh, with cancer, and uh, he was a great cowboy and a and a really really a highly uh, respected cowboy poet. And uh, we became friends in his later in the, before his death, obviously. And I wrote that with him in mind and was able to share that with him. Um, before he passed, and he he did he did pass. So now I I, I perform that now in his in his honor and his memory. Yeah. What led you to write the first poem for your friend who had died? I mean, because as I noted, I, what from what I've read, you you didn't consider yourself a poet at that point. Correct. It's a big deal to to write a poem in remembrance. What led you to do right. it? Well, I will say that I was a fan, an appreciator of cowboy poetry, the the form, the style. I've been entertained by Baxter Black and Waddy Mitchell and other, um, and and appreciated um, going, buying a ticket and going seeing uh, those folks perform and others who did their own poems and shared the classic cowboy 
poems that go back to the turn of the century. I mean, not this turn of the century, but you know, 150 years ago. When, when, and, uh, when, so when I, I hear that, I was, I, I'm old enough to, yeah, to yeah, yeah, know, I know. So, I, yeah. um, I, so that was something that I enjoyed. It was something that, that just resonated with me. And when my, a friend of mine, a horse riding buddy of mine died, um, I just had it in my mind that I would write a few uh, lines of poetry in that style that I enjoyed listening to. Um, and I had a couple months to think about it. He, he had the tradition of, of uh, hosting a bunch of us. We'd haul our horses to his ranch in, in Molal, Oregon, and we'd ride out of his ranch and up into the timberland and then come back and have a big old potluck with his family and friends for, to kick off New Year's, early morning New Year's Day. And he passed in October. And uh, his wife and, and uh, family decided they were going to do it again as a memorial. So I had a couple months to think about it. And I just got to working on it. I just started to think about his life, some funny little insights into his life and some things that were important to him. And I, and I just wrote. I, that was it. It was just to share some thoughts in his honor. And, uh, that, yeah, that was it. How did people respond? Uh, quite well. I mean, I, I, I will tell you, I, it was very emotional uh, anyway. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, I read it. I do things now by memory for the most part. But, you know, I read it. The paper was shaking like a leaf. I couldn't even get out the words. But I, I got the poem out. And uh, and it was very well received. And his his wife and, and others were saying, wow, that was beautiful. I didn't know you wrote poetry. I didn't know you were a cowboy poet. I'm like, well, I'm not. I go, well, yeah, you are, because what was that? And um, and I just, that, I guess, told me that I had maybe had the ability to um, share some feelings in that way, and I then became more of a student of the form and meter and and uh, paid and, and worked harder at it. And I'd write up, uh, yeah, it was well-received, and people would go, well, you should write more. And I'm like, I don't think so, and whatever. But then I... And a thing happened with a horse that was kind of funny, and I wrote a little poem about it, and then something else happened, and I wrote a little poem about it. And I would be with horse folks here and there, and or family, and they say, hey, you haven't you, you written anything new? And, and maybe I had, and I'd say, oh, yeah, here's, here's one about this or that or whatever. And I just, uh, one thing led to another, and, and I had a handful of poems that people wanted to hear. And then I got a call asking how much would I charge to come and, <laughs> and entertain. And I'm like, charge? I can make money from this? Uh, really? <laughs> and uh, that, led, uh, you know, that led to a paid gig. And then, and the, next, then the phone rang because somebody saw me. And then somebody else told me some whatever. And the next thing you know, I'm, I go, man, I better write more because you know, people were saying, well, now, do you have an album? And I go, well, They no. want fresh content. Well, they walk up to me with a $20 bill in their hand after the show or after my little thing. They go, do you have an album? And I go, no. And I go, oh, too bad. And they put the money back in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Could we hear another another poem? A very yeah. different tone. Yeah. Um, Rope and Mama's Llama? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I introduced this poem by telling audiences that I do know how to rope. I mean, I and often when I'm entertaining at cowboy gatherings and whatnot uh, there are cowboys in the audience and and I say well you know I do I, I can throw a loop you know I know some different shots for different circumstances I can throw a hand and figure eight sometimes even on purpose and kind of make fun of my roping but I, I say well you know my if people have seen me rope they know and I have to agree that my very best roping takes place in my imagination <laughs> which is where this takes place I have gone and roped a llama 
way high up on its neck. So there's like 18 inch of flex and muscle giving me pure heck. The thing is spitting, kicking, sure-footed, feet a-flying, making me wish I'd instead looped a rabid mountain lion. Yeah, I have gone and roped a llama, hula hand a camelid. Not by far the brightest thing I can say I ever did. Because when this tale gets passed on, and you know darn well it will, it'll be all about my target, not about my roping skill. Sidebar. Why, when spelling llama, are there two and not one L? One is silent, so not needed, just the same as the word hell, which is what I'll get a bunch of despite my prayers and hoping when my wife finds out her yarn supply is what I've been out roping. Yeah, roping mama's llama, that'll put her in a stew, something I should have thought about before my catch twine flew. She'll question if I've got a brain, make for certain I regret, lofting that one swing flip shot at the critter she calls a pet. She'll make a list of honeydews, ask big favors for amends. How long she keeps demanding them, well, I guess that all depends on if I can act real humble and show some true remorse. And I don't suppose it hurt none if I bought her a new horse. That's my guest, Oregon's own Tom Swearingen, who has twice been named the best male poet by the International Western Music Association. What makes cowboy poetry cowboy poetry? Um, it's, um, in one answer to that is it's occupational poetry. It's, um, you know, there's a handful of occupations that have a body of music. And like fisher poets. Fisher poets. Uh, um, logging has some hmm. songs and poems. Mining has some songs and poems. Uh, military uh, battle songs and poems. Cowboy uh, po- poems and songs are that. It, they, it, it uh, started as... Well, my understanding from folklorists and historians, after the Civil War, the trail drive days of what we, the sort of the launch of the cowboy uh, moving cattle, uh, had had cowboys, mostly young um, boys moving cows, uh, who entertained themselves by making up songs and stories and sharing those with other people. The folk tradition would be that somebody would learn that and pass it on and so on and so forth. So it's it's about, it's it's mostly i mean it's about the land the livestock the work of cowboying either by or for or about cowboys yeah mm-hmm. that's the best way to answer that i think you came to this i mean you you've grown up um in oregon and and lived among and ridden horses your whole life as i understand it but as you've noted you are not you're in advertising not a cowboy yourself did that work in advertising uh, and where I imagine there was wordsmithing involved and trying to keep an audience's attention for a 20-second spot? I mean, did, did that help you as you transitioned to this new avocation? I think it helped. It's very different. When I was in uh, advertising and I was writing 30-second commercials and six-word billboards and um, – 60-second commercials and whatever. And not too much rhyming, probably. Not too much rhyming. Uh, I, it's it different. But I was, I'm not afraid of putting pen to paper or, or fingers to keyboard is what, how I work. So the idea of writing and crafting words is not new to me. And so it transferred somewhat, yeah. Hmm. We have time for one more poem. Do you mind giving us quiet conversation? Oh, I'd be happy to, yeah. Um, yeah, this one also is based on a uh, 
yeah, this is inspired by a final conversation I had. Just a quiet conversation between friends as they sat, saddled, looking out upon the cattle on the flat. About things that don't get talked about near often as they should amongst friends who've rode together for years through scarce and good. Well, sure, they'd done a lot of talking about what subjects then at hand, about the herds or markets or issues with the land. They talked about the need for rain, spent hours in idle chatter, solved the world's big problems and some that don't much matter. But today some words were spoken that they'd never before shared, at least to one another. For now their hearts were bared. For the trail for one was ending in just weeks or maybe days, his till then getting closer put both men in a haze. Making words come not so easy, hard to know just what to say, but still some things need saying. And this would be the day. It started with, I'll not forget all the kindness that you've shown. You've been quite the friend to me, I'd say the best I've known. With the solemn silence broken, these cowboys' talk turned deep to truths that always treasure and promises to keep. A promise to keep forever his memory close at hand, to finish things he'd started and live the dreams he'd planned. A promise to rarely dwell on low and lean times of the past, but rather focus forward to pastures green and grassed. The words that were shared that morning were heartfelt and came with tears, conveying things not spoken for way too many years. Lord, it's hard to bid your farewell to a pard who'll soon be gone, stepping beyond the daylight to no more ride the dawn. There was quiet contemplation between friends as they sat, the last time looking out upon the cattle on the flat. There are obviously some um, ties here to that first poem I, ha I had you read. Is it fair to say that cowboy poetry can be an emotional outlet for an often stoic kind of person? Oh, well, I, sure. You know, I think I, I, there's no reason that it wouldn't be or couldn't be, you know. I think a lot of poets, uh, cowboy poets, or people writing cowboy poetry are, are expressing things that are deeply important. And so friendship and, and um, loss and um, love and uh, whatever are important um, things to communicate. Um, and just as I shared in that silly little Mama's Llama poem, there's, inter there's, there's just fun stuff, you know, little silly stuff, too, that um, is entertaining. And, um, and so, you know, Baxter Black and others that were primarily known as humorous um, also wrote deeply serious poems. And um, we think of them often as the, f the funny guy, the, the guy doing the pratfalls and the physical humor and whatever. But, uh, but even Baxter wrote really deep, deep poems. Tom Sarangin, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah. That was Oregon's cowboy poet Tom Swearingen in conversation over the summer. He'll be at George Fox University from 1 to 3 p.m. tomorrow in an event sponsored by the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. Tomorrow on the show, we'll spend the hour with Oregon Governor Tina Kotek. When she took office, she laid out three main priorities, housing and homelessness, education and early learning, and behavioral health. We'll get an update on those priorities and much more. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on NPR's app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think 
Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford. <laughs>